It's the California Wine Country Podcast with Steve Jackson and Dan Berger. We taste, we laugh, we learn. It is time for California Wine Country here on The Drive on KSRO, brought to you by Bottle Barn, Rodney Strong Vineyards, Davis Bynum Wines, Dan Berger, of course, and Daniel. Uh, we got an interesting one today. I, he's been in before. <laughs> Miro's been around. Yes, he's been here. And Miro... Miro Cholakov. He's, he's, he's one of the best winemakers in the county. Miro Wines, M-I-R-O. <clears throat> oh, yeah. And it's great to have him back. Miro, you, you were born in no, northern Bulgaria. Uh, yes. And as it says on the website, a region with many millennia of winemaking history. You were exposed to wine and winemaking at a very early age. Uh, give us, excuse me, give us your story on all this. Um, early age, I mean... I was given my wine glass when I was six by my grandfather. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was strictly for rituals, although there was wine in it most of the time when, when we were having dinners or, you know, lunches. And um, my mother was horrified because of that. But he told her a wisdom. Let him, let him learn about alcohol in the house, not outside the house. Yeah, right. So he was a he was a wise man. Like his name was Mariano. Funny thing is that all people there have Italian names because they were Catholic and Catholicism. It's a kind of rare in that part of the world. Uh, so very few villages were Catholic, and that was one of them. So they all had Italian names. And we're talking northern northern Bulgaria. Bulgaria. We're talking about Danube, Danube, Danubian plains, which they're not really plains. They're kind of a very hilly country. Uh, about 30 kilometers, I guess, due south of Danube River um, on another tributary to Danube. And uh, so there was a lot of lot of viticulture there. Um, like I said, for millenniums, I, I wasn't alive during that time, but <laughs> old enough as I am. Um, so, yeah, um, I learned about wine at home and uh, eventually it kind of led to me going to college, studying viticulture in Bulgaria. And that led to me coming to United States on an exchange program about 32 years ago in the wine business. And that was part of the Future Farmers of America? Yeah, they were, they were kind of facilitating that program. Uh, other than that is a um, government-controlled um, program in exchange, uh, not, not a viticulture, but agricultural exchange. <laughs> and it's been in existence for almost a couple hundred years, or a little bit less than that, started in Minnesota by farmers um, wanting to send their kids to Europe so they can learn the craft and then exchange some European kids coming back here. So it's pretty pretty big, and a lot of wineries still to date, uh, during COVID, of course, there was a break. A lot of wineries are sourcing labor during harvest from through that organization, bringing, bringing kids from all over the world to work harvest. And it's great. It's really great tool to uh, find somebody for a short period of time, especially nowadays when nobody wants to work. <laughs> and <laughs> you were in Napa for a while, and then uh, you yeah. were taken on by Sonoma County's Dry Creek Vineyard, who were our guests yesterday on the Vintners Correct. Drive. I did see uh, that. Uh, Kim was here. Yeah. Um, Yes, Dry Creek just celebrated their 50th yeah, anniversary. Which and is I was, what we were uh, talking about yesterday. And I was what invited. What a great family. And it was. It was great. I mean, I felt like even my mother said, it seems like you find the right place. Because every picture I sent home, it was me with a glass of wine. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And uh, 
She, uh, yeah. So it was it was a great time. I, I lost. I was there for nine years. Um, left as an assistant winemaker. Started as an intern. Uh, through the uh, ranks of cellar master and whatnot, learned a lot of things, met a lot of people. So basically, dove into the industry from Dry Creek. In the late nineties, uh, you went to work as winemaker for Trentadu Winery, right? Correct. And, and you're still there. You're I'm still, part still of there. Twenty two, twenty. I think this is my twenty third harvest. Wow. Um, yes, and. I'm still there. Uh, the winery has changed quite a bit for better. And I also started my own brand while I was there, actually 20 years ago. That that wine is my 20th vintage that we're going to try. Yeah. And Barry Herbst is here, the wine buyer at Bottle Barn. Dude, good to see you as always. Good to see you as well. Uh Dan, talk about Miro and uh, his past, and and especially the current mm. uh, with uh, Miro wines and Geyserville. I think uh, Miro got started uh, at a time when Napa was still on the ascendancy, and Sonoma County was doing some fabulous work, but really never got its fair share of recognition. And Miro's stuff was flying under the radar for several years. And those of us who are inside the industry knew about this for a long time. Miro participates in an awful lot of industry tastings, and I'm part of that as well. I taste with those guys for the last few years. And what's fascinating is to see the evolution of these wines. And in particular, what Miro really specializes in is finding small properties that nobody knows anything about and using that fruit to illustrate greatness from each particular vineyard so i mean you not every wine you make is a vineyard designate but uh, most of them are most yeah, of them are 90 yeah. percent of them are yeah and what are we tasting now <laughs> this is a um, something we can't pronounce here. right it sounds <laughs> very i asked him to say oh, i want to see you take a stab at it it's, <laughs> sounds very romantic actually it's very easy it's called ribola gialla and i did not know anything about this variety and I actually, honestly, I read the encyclopedia by Genesis Robinson to find out what it is. And I had the grapes already at the winery. <laughs> so uh, it was it was an interesting. Uh, so basically, it's an, it's an old Italian variety from Friuli, uh, on the border between Slovenia and Italy. And again, and it's a white wine. It is a white variety, yes. It reminds uh, me a little bit of Gewürztraminer with a splash of Muscat thrown in just for more spice. It's really spicy. It is. I think it means yellow ribbon. I'm not sure exactly. Mm. Ribola. Yeah. So it's an old variety. The first record of it, according to Encyclopedia, uh, was from 14th century. Boccaccio, as I mentioned earlier, said that people are uh, overindulging and are drinking way too much Ribola Giallo. Mm. <laughs> so I don't know because of him or whatever happened, but uh, as, as the millennium or the centuries progressed, uh, the uh, area became... They start growing other things than Ribola Gialla, and currently there's only 1% of the grapes in that area are Ribola. But I also learned that they are trying to revive it and uh, bring it back, um, staying away from or adding back to the area the Ribola that originally started there. I think this mm. is the perfect wine for Thai food. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's got more body than a lot of the aromatic whites mm-hmm. from that part of the world. It's got a little more it's, viscosity, kind of. That's oily. the thing that I um, I was uh, um, pretty. I mean, it actually was spot on. 
that it has a viscosity in it and it almost stays sweet, but there is no sugar in it. And some sort of a glycerol kind of a, um, you know, fatty. So, and there's no oak in it at all. So this is all pure stainless steel, cold fermented, really slow. So I wanted to see what is it without, without any other interference of um, other winemaking techniques. I think if you look in a dictionary under the word delicious, you see a picture of this grape variety. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is delicious, I'll it's, tell you that. It's really yeah. good. And bury your thoughts. Yeah, a lot of interest in this category. In fact, I just told Miro we're out of it at the store. So, uh, hey. Miro was oh. very happy to <laughs> <Yeah>. hear. <laughs> so I still have we'll about have more soon. 60 cases or so of that out of yeah. 120, so basically I sold half of it by now. Yeah. But there's definitely a lot of interest in these kind of new uh, non-mainstream mm-hmm. grape varieties, uh, French Columbard, which I, I used to be. I bought six bottles, and I'm down to four, so I'm going to have to replenish my stock pretty soon. <laughs> it's super versatile with food. Mm-hmm. and uh, Easy to drink. Yeah, yeah and uh, oak easy. isn't you know a big part of it at all. Yep. You know, no no buttery qualities, none of that. Why so. isn't it better known? It's hard uh, to it's hard to get anybody to grow it. I mean, <clears throat> growers growers shy away from things that don't sell fast, and nobody's yeah. going to buy Robola Giala until they have some knowledge about what it is, and that's sort of behind the eight ball already. So yeah. it, and it's it, probably harder to grow than like Chardonnay. Which I, I have like no idea. Right? I mean, yeah. there's a little bit of it in Napa. This one is from Lodi, from Clement's Hills Oh, yeah, George area. Ferry used to grow it in yeah. Napa. Clement's Hills is cooler. So it is can, cooler, you right. You can get a little bit more cooling mm-hmm. influence. There. Right. That's wonderful. I get Sauvignon mm-hmm. Blanc from there, and it's really, really nice. Uh, Matthiasen, I think, grows it in Napa. All oh, right, um, and it's small. I mean, it's probably a trial, just a, maybe an acre here and there. Um, as far as I know, there are thirty some producers of Ribolagiala, but they're all very small. Yeah. Hey Barry, do you have this on in stock at Bottlebarn right now? Sold out at the moment, okay. but by Friday, I'd imagine there'll be more. <laughs> or have more. <clears throat> and a, fa- a fairly priced wine, but easy to understand it's, you, you, it's got a screw cap you put it in a refrigerator mm. for 20 minutes you're done it's just fabulous I love it <laughs> it's delicious he is Miro Cholakov from Miro Wines uh, in Guerneville uh, born and raised in northern Bulgaria he's been around our wine country for a long time I love it on the website it says winemaker proprietor salesman seller rat there you go <laughs> all of it does it all yeah <laughs> Uh, so you're well known, Miro, for uh, red wines. Well, I this is my first white wine, actually, so yeah, that okay. makes sense. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've done although, well. <laughs> although I make, I make obviously, I make wine, uh, white wines for Trent to do Chardonnay, Sauvignon Blanc, mm-hmm. um, Viognier, Viognier Port, actually. <laughs> mm. So yeah. This is my. Well, I, I really like uh, what Miro's done with his reds because they're explosive in terms of aromatics, but they have balance and they really work with food. And that's a secret to all great winemakers: is trying to make a wine that has both explosive aromatics and then good good with food. And that's what Miro specializes in. I think they're delicious mm-hmm. wines, especially mm-hmm. that Petite Syrah of yours is fabulous, and, and there's. Plenty of, and a Zinf- you brought a Zin, I guess. I did. Zinfandel and Cabernet. I should have brought uh, Petit Syrah, but I thought it was so hot. Somehow <laughs> yeah. I didn't, I didn't think of Petit. Yeah. Pretty I hot. do like the Robert Parker quote about uh, the Petit Syrah being well endowed in 90 points. I know. That was that was my first <laughs> foray. Yeah. Well endowed. <laughs> yeah. 
You know, I know you're looking at my computer. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. Well endowed. Robert Parker Jr. and the White Advocate. That was one of my first uh, scores from Parker. Folks, if you're looking for more information about these wines, the website is MiroCellars.com. M-I-R-O. Cellars, C-E-L-A-R-S.com. And, Miro, you don't have a tasting room. No, I do not. And um, Try to do, does. I'm proud of it. No, I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> <laughs> but you're, you're still winemaker at Trentadu. Correct. Which is one of my other, um, I just love Trentadu mm. and the work they do and the work you do there. Thank and you've you. been there since the late 90s. Uh, 1999, yes, correct. Um, Twenty. This is going to be my 23rd vintage, I believe. Um, yeah, I make a lot of wines, a lot of different wines for Trent to do. Last time I counted 24 skews, um, 24 different wines. Some of them all just for the tasting room and uh, direct sales. A lot of them, uh, the rest of them are for uh, distribution. It's and a lot of fun. too. Lastoria, that's a fan yes. favorite at yeah. the store. And Barry, uh, you sell a lot of Trinidad wines at Bottle Bar, oh, yeah. and some of Miro's uh, wines. Yeah, I think I've got three of his wine. Well, four when we get the Reboa back, mm-hmm. but we've got Zinfandel, uh, Cab, and Petit Syrah right mm-hmm. now. So, what? Tell us about the Zinfandel uh, Miro. Uh, it's mm-hmm. it's Alexander Valley. Um, it's a it's a small vineyard that is between kind of Geyserville and. Tri Creek Valley, so it's in the hills there, but it's it's Alexander Valley Appalachian. Um, so, as you all know, 2020 was kind of a tricky harvest because of very tricky conditions. A lot of people didn't make any red wine at all. No, I know, and um, there was a lot of uh, a lot of sleepless nights, whether to make wine or not to make wine, analysis, and all kinds of gymnastics that we had to do <laughs> to determine whether the vineyard is pickable or not. So it was kind of chaotic, and um, my my go-to vineyards at the time from Dry Creek Valley did not make it for the same obvious reason, for the because of the smoke taint. Alexander Valley was spared... Um, in a lot of a lot of locations, uh, because of proximity or the wind uh, directions or whatnot, and this vineyard was just just I've never made wine from from it before, and as you can see, it doesn't have a vineyard designate on it because it's first time, uh, and it was not uh, they did not have smoke taint, um, so it was kind of a the last minute thing, and. Um, um, I'm hoping that then at 21 Vintage, I went back to my usual sources from Dry Creek, which were clean. And um, so this is probably going to be one-off, and that's uh, that's why I didn't put a, a vineyard name on it. Uh, Dan, talk mm-hmm. about this. A beautiful blackberry and <clears throat> the trace of violets <clears throat> in the after uh, taste. Uh, what I really like about this is the structure. It's so much better than so many of the Zinfandels out there that are so big and Chewy, and this is mm. not. This is more elegant, and it actually would take a little bit of chilling. And it, it, it's nice yeah. and cool enough in the mm. studio, so this wine does show. show really no, well. it's not. <laughs> well, it's cool enough. Controversy. <laughs> no, I had to call Chico, our AC guy, and say, "Dude, Turn that AC, huh? oh, it won't, it won't go under seventy-six." And I always deal with fifty-six here oh, in the I studio. Oh, God. He said, "I'll be in first thing in the morning." So I just I'll, when I get a cold, I'll Chico. blame you. <laughs> It has, a, it has a good acidity. I, I like yeah. I like a little bit of acid in the Zim because of 
food friendliness. Uh, otherwise, it gets heavy. It can get heavy. It is mm. much softer on the palate than the bouquet would lead you mm. to believe. The glass mm-hmm. was sitting to my right here, mm-hmm. and Joe looked at me and went, wow, that's strong. He was getting the aroma all the way over mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. So I took it carefully, and I thought, oh, the, the taste on the palate is nothing like the aroma. It's, it's, it, it's, the winemaker has to have a sixth sense about what, you, what the grapes are giving you and allow the grapes to be the dominant factor. And mm. Miro does that to an nth degree every single time. I, I mean, Zinfandel is my, my love affair since I came to the United States because I did not know anything about this variety. And, or at studying, uh, study-wise, uh, ar- academically, nothing. Uh, and also Petit Syrah. But Zinfandel, I mean, I'm, I'm still on the board of directors of Zap, and um, I've made quite a bit of Zim volume-wise and from different areas. And I'm, I'm still scared of it. It's, uh, it's a tricky variety. It's... You know, people always say that Pinot is a heartbreaking grape, but every time I hear, I have a lot of winemakers, friends who make Pinot, and every time they put their hands on Zinfandel, they looked at me and go, what just happened here? This is crazy. How do you guys deal with this you variety? Know, what makes Zinfandel grapes uh, hard it's, to deal it's, with? It's, it's it's everything. I mean, the growing, the, it's, it's heat. It, people think that it likes heat. It doesn't. It, it gets really stressed from uh, heat. Uh, heat spikes, and it's also the sugar, and uh, also something else that it's, uh, makes it uh, not willingly to ferment all the way to dryness. And mm. I've tried sometimes, I pulled all the tricks into my sleeves, and most of the time I succeeded, but there's mm. some times where just the Zinfandel says, I just don't want to go. I don't want to ferment anymore. Let's see what you're going to do about it. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Great attitude. So yes. you just squash them? <laughs> well... It's arm wrestling. Arm wrestling and talking to it. Um, there's, there's something, I mean, and, uh, there's a lot of people that make Zinfandel, of course, and it, I, I think I can sense when it's about to give up. And it's just something smells, something mm. in the smell t- changes, and, of course, you look at the numbers and the sugars and all that stuff, and you kind of anticipate that something is going to happen. It is California wine country, as always, on this Wednesday, brought to you by Bottle Barn. Rodney Strong Vineyards and Davis Bynum Wines. Our guest today is Miro Sholakov from Miro Wines, and he's also the winemaker for Trentadu Winery since the late 90s. It's your third appearance on this uh, segment over the years. I guess. I swear I've been here many more times than that, but I don't know. (laughs) It just feels like deja vu, very strong. California Wine Country and The Drive, in particular, brought to you in part by Rodney Strong Vineyards. Coming up Saturday, September 17th, you can celebrate the Sonoma harvest season with Rodney Strong's director of winemaking, Justin Seidenfeld. He's going to lead you through a new lineup of selected wines paired with a harvest-inspired, coursed dinner from Pacific Connection. It'll be another beautiful evening on the concert green at Rodney Strong. And Jeff Westman is going to uh, be performing some uh, songs from the Frank Sinatra songbook. Get your tickets today at RodneyStrong.com. In partnership with the Alexander Valley Film Society, Rodney Strong is hosting a series of summer movies at the winery. And coming up on Wednesday, September 7th, is The Birds. And as I've been mentioning for years, one of my favorite parts of The Birds is the fact that KSRO's in it twice... They're sitting in Bodega Bay being attacked by birds, and they turn the radio on and go, this is KSRO. 
I know nothing about birds. <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> anyway, yeah, they, they tune into KSRO twice. In the film, The Birds, that's uh, coming up Wednesday, September 7th. Find out all the great things and all these events going on at Rodney Strong Vineyards. They still have two summer concerts coming up soon. Go to RodneyStrong.com. Rodney Strong Vineyards, committed to community since 1959. All right. Uh, it is California wine country. What are you guys talking about now, and what are you tasting? Cabernet. The king of grapes. Good stuff. Uh, Miro makes more than one Cabernet. Uh, in fact, uh, if anything, he... Talk about the radar. You're under the radar on this variety. Mm. I think this is fabulous wine, and and it's it's one of several Cabernets, and I'm a huge, huge fan of your Pine Mountain Cabernet, which you're unfortunately out of, but this one is right up against it. This is the Dry Creek Valley one, mm-hmm. and tell us a little bit about this vineyard, Miro. This is an interesting vineyard. Um, I make Petit Syrah from that same vineyard. It's in a, sort of in the middle of Dry Creek Valley, off just slightly off Dry Creek Road. Um, very close to Canyon Road. So, uh, what's interesting about the cab is the fact that it's a old vines, and it's something you don't hear very often, or nobody brags about it. But I thought the vines deserve to be addressed as old vines because they're old. Um, you know, big, burly old vines, probably eighty to ninety years old. Uh, they always been dry farmed, and. The yields are very low uh, for various reasons. One of them is because it's dry farmed and it's old. And um, also the, I mean, Dry Creek, it's not, I mean, yes, there are some really great Cabernets that are made recently. The, the, this vineyard is on a Zinfandel territory, as you as you might, as you can tell that, you know, most of the old vine Zinfandels are planted in that bench land. So it is not big and tannic, as you might expect from Cabernet, and it's kind of, it's in a fruity site, uh, although it's still Cabernet, I mean, it's young, 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a interesting spice aromas to it, um, maybe a little bit of cinnamon. Um, there's definitely cherries and berries and all that stuff in it. Uh, relatively soft. Yeah, really approachable. Age. Yeah. yeah. But it's also got some elegance to it that immediately you want to serve it with some food mm-hmm. but because it's cabernet it's going to age like like at least 20 years i, I mean, hope this, so this yeah. stuff is really beautifully structured so you know, is, you've got a little of everything <clears throat> it's not herbal it's not green the pyrazines are pretty much under control um mm-hmm. the grapes are really small berries so they they shrivel toward the end of harvest uh very quickly at some time depends because of you know, old vines and the dry farms, so I have to kind of watch for that uh, because it can quickly go below, I mean, quickly past the what, what we call the uh, the dimple um, point and it turn into the raisins. So that's that's the danger with these old vines, uh, dry farm um, grapes. Uh, but if you get it right, it's pretty tasty. Barry Herbst, mm. thoughts on this and uh, availability of any of these wines at Bottle? Yeah, I've got... Uh I've got this one at the store. Is it okay to say the price, or will I get in trouble? That's your, that's your, that's your business. Nineteen ninety nine a bottle. Wow, we're giving it away. Phenomenal. Again. Yeah, I mean, a wine of this caliber would be only because we're friends, right? Fifty five dollars. Yeah. I get the good guy else. deal. And, you know, at fifty five dollars, this would be a decent value. 
Yeah. And twenty dollars is ridiculous. I think it's cool that you got old mines on there. Everybody but, is in the Zinfandel world pays a lot of attention to that, mm-hmm. but you don't see it on Cabernet almost no. ever. And it's amazing. It's a very plush. Either because there aren't that many old vine cabernets exactly. out there, yeah. and the reason it's obvious they don't produce much once they get into past the age of I don't know forty or fifty, well, just, maybe. Just remember that in in roughly nineteen eighty eight eighty nine. We had a wave of phylloxera throughout True. California, yes. and all the Cabernet was affected by it, almost mm-hmm. all of it, but 90% of it. And 90% of the Cabernet has been replanted since right. 88, 89, 90. Right. That's true. So there's no old clones. vine Cabernet left yeah. to yeah. speak of. Yeah. So that's uh, why this is a rarity. Dan and me wrote, get a little deeper into phylloxera and how, I mean, because we've <laughs> talked all these years about, you know, it, it can be bad. But it can also be good, and I, it's hard well, it to wrap be, my head around. It, it can be good for a year or two, but once it takes hold... What is hold, it exactly? It's a, it's a root louse, and it, it affects the roots of the vine, and it eventually kills the vine, ultimately. Mm-hmm. Now, the only place where you can grow without worrying about it is in sand. We don't have sand in Sonoma County. we got soil. And uh, out in the Sierra foothills or in the Stockton Sacramento Delta, Delta some places yeah. like that, yeah. you've got some sand, and you can grow phylloxera all day long. It's no problem. It's not going to kill anything. But in Sonoma County, if you've got phylloxera, you're looking at three to four or five years, and then you've got to pull those vines out and yep. start over. Wow. I guess the good thing that – well, the good, bad thing that happened 25, 30 years ago, this the mutation of phylloxera that people reconsider – what to plant when they when they're facing the reality of replanting, and by that time they had enough experience to figure out that Pinot Noir in the Alexander Valley it's not a good idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and true. although yeah. there were some Pinot Noirs in the Alexander Valley, so basically it said, "All right, well, by now we know this is a Cabernet country," and on and on. So that that kind of helped in the way of repositioning or restructuring or location-wise, uh, what to plant and where. Optimize the varieties yeah, exactly. and change so the spacing, in s- too. In, yeah. some c- in some ways, that's, that was kind of a blessing in disguise that phylloxera made people you know, reconsider what to plant. Now, Dan mm. snuck a peek at my computer screen. He said, oh, you've got the Cuvée Sasha up. We mm. need to talk about the Cuvée. Oh, yeah. Tell Dan? us about that. Um, <clears throat> Cuvée Sasha started, well, my, my daughter just, just turned 20, and then her name is Sasha. Alexandra, we call it Sasha. So my um, that wine was named after her, and it started just about 18 years ago. And uh, originally it was from Lake County where I found a vineyard in High Valley of Lake County that had all three varieties, and it started as a GSM. And the reason is I love these kind of wines. I think they're fantastic for food-wise and food pairings, uh, unassuming but delicious and so I wanted to make wine, and uh, that's how it started. Uh, I did lose that; vine- I lost that vineyard because of some various reasons. But since then, I found other uh, sources. I'm still looking for a good Mouvedre to add it on because currently it's a uh, Grenache Syrah blend, mm. and uh, the source is a really tiny vineyard on the lake on the shores of Lake Mendocino, or whatever it's left from it. Right. Um, <laughs> And it's a tiny vineyard, basically the backyard of a, um, a person who, uh, Peter Chevalier is his name. Um, he's known in Mendocino because he was a grower and on and on. But um, So, yeah, good source. And I still love making this wine, and it's great drinking wine. Um, no, yeah, I was saying the 2019 really questioned on the right, wine competition circuit last stakes, year. Yeah. Uh, two competitions in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
incredible wine. It was very, yeah. I'm, I'm almost out in my cellar. Yeah. That and was the first Grenache it. to win uh, <laughs> best of class in the sweepstakes from one of those things, I remember, one of those competitions. Wow. Yeah. Miro, great to see you again. I'm so glad great you came Great to be back. here.